Timely, timely, Sam. Got to, got Big to. Story of the day: Toby Keith passes away yeah. overnight. Toby Keith dead. Should have been a cowboy. I see that he is trending. I see the Dixie Chicks are trending. They trend like once a month. Yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of intertwined forever. Okay. Are they? At least as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I imagine that's why they're trending. But to me, they're intertwined because. You know, few people benefited from the war as much as Toby Keith. That's true. I guess they did too, as well, a little bit. And and, and few people like lost as much as the Dixie Chicks did. That are that are not military related. Let me <laughs> clarify that. Like non-troops, <laughs> few people lost as much. Non-people affected directly by the war or by 9/11 lost as much as like the Dixie Chicks did, just career-wise. Let me make sure I'm specifying that career-wise. So, yeah, I think they're kind of intertwined. I imagine that's why they're trending, although I haven't checked. I'm sure people are being very rational and level-headed on X these days. But, yes, RIP to Toby Keith. Some Tennessee news. We are two weeks away from baseball season, and you got four All-Americans on the team, according to, I believe it was Baseball. Baseball America. Baseball America, right. Yeah, they did their All-American teams, and you got four guys Getting either first, second, or third team, led by Drew Beam. Is Drew Beam your your best player heading into the season? Is he your most important player heading into the season? Yeah, most important for sure. At least you know on the in terms of your pitching staff, I would say. Well, definitely in terms of your pitching staff, he's going to be your ace. But you know that that's going to be Tennessee's biggest question heading into the season is who gets the the third start. You know, everything I read, everything I listen to regarding the Tennessee baseball team is who's going to be the third starter. You know, you got your first two. As long as they're healthy, Drew Beam, Andrew Lindsay, both those guys proven, both those guys high-level SEC starters. The question is, who is number three? So maybe you could say whoever that is is actually the most important player on the team. Sam, or the most important pitcher? Who who could f- step up and fill in that, I guess I assume, Sunday spot in your SEC rotation. Yeah, there's I mean there's a lot of guys. I think that's kind of been a spot that's a question mark kind of in camp and has been rotating through. I think you'll see a lot of guys kind of in that role. Um, you know, I think AJ Russell is probably a guy to look out for. Um, you know, provided some really good action for you out of the bullpen last year but didn't really see extended time. Um yeah, so that's who I meant to say instead of AJ. Yeah, I, I figured. Sorry, thank you for correcting. That. Um he he's 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 going to be most likely your second guy, right? Correct, yeah. Wasn't well, he the, help me out here, tall guy, right? Yeah, that Super, big tall yeah, freshman last remember, year. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for correcting me. Yeah. It's, it's early in the morning, and it's no. early in the season for baseball. I figured, yes. yeah. Andrew Lindsay, not not A.J. Russell. He's in the majors. Or Andrew Lindsay is in the majors. A.J. Yeah. Russell is here. Exactly. Yes, exactly. yes, yes. Yes, Andrew Lindsay's our number two. Um, And so... Yeah, I think you'll have you'll have Beam and Russell, obviously, and then I think there's some guys that are kind of rotating there. I know to me, Wyatt Evans at... is a guy that stood out. Um, Wyatt Evans, yep. I know you've got like Xander Seacrest, and then Cossie. Uh, I think Cossie. Cossie. You went and got uh, Nate Snead out of Wichita State in the portal. He's kind of more of a longer lever, but also kind of has the ability to give you a start every once in a while. I think. Okay. Yeah, I saw that name. Uh, you said Derek Schaefer. So, I mean, like, there, there's going to be a quartet of guys that get tryouts in the early season, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Because you have Beam and Beam and Lindsay are kind of solidified, and you're looking for that third spot. Drew Beam, though, first-team All-American. 
the highest honor for Tennessee players. Blake Burke, second team. Billy Amick, the Clemson transfer, and Christian Moore, third team. Got to be honest, I don't know how you felt, Sam. I don't know how you felt, Bob. But when I saw Blake Burke's second team, that was a little surprising to me. It was a little surprising to me for him to be a second team All-American. In a bad or good way? And, I mean, I, I don't I think it's going like to be a first so, team. You, okay. I, I think it's going to be a first team. And I'm not saying it's in a bad way. It's yeah, just yeah. like, a, you know, I, I thought his spot at first base was, you know, at times thought to be even up for grabs, you know, last year in the transfer portal. Like, whenever you're kind of looking at bringing guys in and you look at the who you have on roster already, like, I just – was surprised he got that big of a nod. I think it's a guy who definitely took a little bit of a step back, maybe in terms of his production from his freshman year. I think it's still, I think it's kind of still a player that's going to have a big bounce back and be able to kind of provide that that pop and that power in your lineup. Well, that would be nice. That would be nice if he got back to doing that. And you know, he slumped really bad, you know, the second half of last year, conference play of last year, but still came up with a couple big hits time to time. That's what I remembered with him was just boomer bust, you know. Mm-hmm. There was like no in between. He, you know, had big hits and then just vanished for a while like you mentioned, John, and then we all remember that home run in uh the the regional. Yeah, I mean, I guess there there was some talk that maybe Amit coming in would be your first baseman if you still had Zane Ditton on the roster, but like all signs point to you know Zane did not not being a factor in 2024. Whether or not he's back in 2025 will be, you know, a question that gets answered over the next coming months. But like I would say, three percent chance he has any bit of a factor in 2024. So I guess that did kind of solidify his spot there. Uh, you know, you'll have a couple catchers you're trying to find reps for, and and Tony's come out and talked about how he wants to keep guys fresh and, you know, not kind of run them down. I don't know if can, can Cannon Peebles play any first base. I don't know usually catchers can. Peebles will probably be your DH if he's not catching. Okay. He's that good so of that would be your yeah. yeah, that would be kind of your your trade-off there. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, yeah, baseball season two weeks away. I did see that uh, in addition to the All-Americans list of 12 – I did see, or three, four. I did see that yeah, Rocky Top Insider had the breakdown of the 12 nationally televised games, or at least ESPN SEC Network televised games. So Tennessee's going to be on 12 of those, I believe, was the number. Yeah, I did not see it. but Yeah, uh, yeah I saw that uh, Blue was Shumpert had the breakdown of that and the, the series that you're going to get to watch on either SEC Network or ESPNU. I believe ESPNU had the LSU Friday game and ESPN 2, I think, had some Vandy games. We're close, two weeks away. It's just so crazy. I mean, there's some arguments this could be Vitello's best team, at least based on what I read, and still they're ranked 8th, 9th, 11th, and and the majority of those teams in front of them are you know conference teams to boot. You know, it's just a reminder how loaded SEC is. Yeah, I've seen some people talk about that. I just I have a hard time thinking it's going to be better than the 2021 team. You know, that was so good. I mean, I know this team's talented, and but, like, 2021 team had some studs. And, you know, by the way, the, by, the, by the time that, you know, on paper preseason maybe, you know, wasn't, wasn't that. But, like, when you got to actually in the season, you saw your rotation and you saw like, the three guys you had there. And I, I know it didn't end well against Notre Dame with Chase Burns. And I know it didn't end well in his Tennessee career with Chase Burns. But, like, having him as your – 
uh, your third option or a second option, I guess. And, you know, I don't know. Those arms, I thought, were pretty talented. And this year, maybe it works out where Tennessee does have whoever in that third spot as your third pitcher. Maybe they are just going to be really good. And I think Tennessee does, until otherwise proven, deserve the benefit of the doubt when it comes to filling out their, their rotation. Because it's, like it's not like they've had a bad third pitcher so far under Tony Vitale, at least since he kind of got this thing rolling, right? Like the, the pitching coach, Frank Anderson, and, and Vitello seems to have been able to develop somebody to be in that spot. Yeah. I, I think that maybe this is your biggest question mark kind of coming into that day three slot in terms of pitching, but I still think that – I think this lineup is, is really, really talented and – you know, you've got guys pretty much one through nine, I think, in that lineup. So I think that you're maybe taking a, a little bit of a step back in pitching staffs from previous years, but I think this lineup is as good as what he's had so far. Who was who was set to be the number three last year coming into the season? Because I feel like we had a similar question last year after you got past, like, Beam and Burns. And, of course, Burns ended up not being in your rotation and hitting, um, hitting the bullpen. But am I misremembering that? Well, we had to Dolander, yeah, right? I want to say it would have just been Beam as oh. your number three last year. Okay, yeah. Then yes, I am wrong. Lindsay kind of was that guy who was that took like, over for that. Yeah. yeah, because okay. you had a slow start to the year with some of those guys, and Lindsay kind of took over that role. But. Great call by you, Bob. This Tennessee baseball segment not going well for me <laughs> as I forgot Chase Dolander. It's okay. So it's early, man. It's early. Well, it's early. It's early in the year. Exactly. It's early in the year. That's it, what I was saying. The morning, yeah, I, I have noticed. I do have a brain fog until about eight o'clock. I, I do have that which is good because usually we have like a big story to kind of, I don't want to say coast your way through, but things you know a lot about. The Tennessee baseball coming off the top in February. I forgot Chase Dolander, man. That's tough. He was really good. Not as good as we thought. Yeah, he wasn't as good as, as we thought he was going to be last year. So. He didn't live up to the hype last year, neither did Chase Burns. So, like, honestly, it was imp- you know really impressive Tennessee got as far as they did. Now, if you tell you that in the preseason, no. Tell you that in the preseason, you expected to be in Omaha. You expected to win at least a game in Omaha. You probably thought you could win it all last year with those two guys at the top of your of your rotation, but neither one kind of lived up to that billing. Of course, you got off to a pretty slow start in conference play. You were kind of struggling. So to find your way by the end of the year, to run through Clemson, to, to go down to Southern Miss and, and win that region, super regional and then get at least a game in Omaha. That was a pretty damn good job by Tony Vitello. You know who I'm kind of uh, intrigued by going into this season is Kavaris Tears. Yeah. Just because he, he, he didn't play that much last year, but he just looks like a specimen, you know what I mean? He just looks like he's a player. He's a big kid. I've got yeah. a class with him, actually. He's he, I think he's probably slotted to start in that right field slot, and he's a big power bat. I think yeah. he's got a lot of pop. Well, between him and Dreeling, right? Like, that's kind of – both of those guys kind of fit that build, right? Dreeling's yeah. really good. Yeah, that's more of a – kind of a pure hitter. And I feel yeah. like Tears is kind of your your power guy. You've got Inslee in center field, super fast, good glove. So, I think you're – I think kind of your only big spot that is, is maybe a a question mark now is, is kind of that short spot in second base role a little bit. Um, you now were, you're going to be our baseball, our baseball guy, Sam. You seem locked in on the baseball team already. Maybe, yeah. I'm kind of locked in on this baseball team. I've, okay. I've got some some high expectations for this baseball team. Is baseball one of your sports that you like watching? Yeah, I like I like Tennessee baseball a lot too. Okay. I mean, right, you're a baseball guy then. Yeah, sure. You stay on top of it. Okay. 
<laughs> Expectations for this year, what? I think you can get back to Omaha 100%. Is that just the program expectation every year now? Like just... I mean, I think, yeah, I think Omaha is definitely the standard that you're trying to get to. I think Vitello's established that and has absolutely shown he can get any team kind of to that point. Like you're saying, last year maybe some things didn't go your way and you still got there. So I think that Omaha is absolutely kind of in the in the mirror and you're, and you're hoping that that's kind of the goal that you're working towards. I typically come in with like, okay, like last year I was like, let's host a a super regional, I think was the goal I had last year host a super regional be one of the top eight teams when you get to the actual super regional you know you'll see how it breaks down in terms of omaha or bust or whatever but like host a regional host a super regional tennessee failed to do both of those you know you're on the road for both of those which sucked as a season ticket member didn't get any of those postseason games but like i feel like coming into this year it feels like host a regional is the bare minimum i think when you come in as a top 10 team can you be on the right side of eight to host a super regional? That would be a, a big accomplishment. You're you're both hurt and propped up by the SEC in terms of resume and and they call it RPI, right? It's still in baseball too. RPI and like you know, but but also like everything's a gauntlet. It's gonna be hard to to win, you know, the vast majority of your games in the SEC. But I'm excited for baseball season, despite yeah. how poorly I did this segment for getting Chase Dahlander. <laughs> To me, I feel like this base like and we talk about AJ Russell with Andrew Lindsay. <laughs> to me, I feel like we talk Dylan about Dylan. with the <laughs> football team, like Heupel, you know, he's finally in his first year of now having a roster of like all his own guys. Now I feel like you're getting into the territory with Vitello of like it's a it's a group that's just top to bottom that he's like picked out, handpicked, and like it's guys that he wants out of the transfer portal and guys that he's gotten recruiting wise. And I think you've got like some really talented freshmen even that are slated to get some playing time this year. So I think this is kind of that that first group of, of you know, it's just Vitello's kind of golden group, I think, of all the guys that he's got together. Bob, I know you're connected. You're a, you're a powerful man. Have you, have you heard anything about the baseball stadium naming rights? Because I've, I've got a little bit of a birdie telling me that they expect to name like a naming right thing in the next you know mm. week or so in terms of having a like sponsor. a food city center type thing <clears throat> yeah not not food city I haven't, yeah. I haven't been told who who the sponsor is but just that they have one that they're set to announce pretty I, soon i have not heard any yeah. of that that's uh you've, you've you've definitely got more info than i have on that one i'd definitely interested to hear though who that'll be also heard that they have it locked in for the football stadium too oh let's go to break it's the morning show here on fan run radio you know i gotta be honest bob i don't care what we do on campus in terms of naming rights or selling things or whatever i'm not much of a traditionalist in that sense the i've always said the tradition i care the most about is just like winning because like that's my tradition as a 33 soon to be 34 year old like my tradition and my history of of being a Tennessee fan we won a lot of games in the 90s and really got you know me sucked in and got me used to that so like that's that's what I care about orange and white I like that being or you know our, our colors I like that tradition I like running through the tee those things are really cool but like you know mix in some alternate jerseys here and there. Whatever. Don't care. 
I agree with that. Do keep running through the tee, though, before the game. That's cool. Don't, don't get rid of that. Let, <laughs> let's keep doing that one. Yeah, we before we went to break, we, you know, the Nealand one feels a little inevitable. Um, when they first did the Food City Center thing, that's what everybody kind of gravitated towards. And there were a lot of purists saying, you know, you better not change, you better not touch Nealand. And it's like, come on, man, this day and age, that's the reality. Um, so I agree with you. You know, we called it during the break the, the Danny White freight train, man. But it's uh, if that continues to help build great programs and win, like you just said, John, then I'm there for it. I will say that one I don't believe is imminent. I, I do think the baseball one, from what I was told, should happen this season. It should be coming up fairly soon. But, like, yeah, the, the football one might not be in, in time for 2024. But, that the you know, yeah, the, like you said, the freight train is rolling. But, like, i got to be honest, don't care. Tennessee is top 10 in baseball. They're top 10 adjacent in football. They have, you know, every opportunity to be a top 10 team this year. And you look at top 10 programs for this year and next and kind of moving forward and hopefully projecting like Tennessee is in the mix there. Basketball, every bit of a top 10 program under Rick Barnes. The the most winningest SEC program since 2018, according to the the breakdown I saw from friend of fan run, Jordan Moore, like Tennessee is every bit of a top 10 program in college basketball right now. You know, I don't know about the women's program, ironically enough, you know, something you talk about tradition and history and, and, and my childhood, of course, you know, three national championships during the 90s. We're a little bit of ways away from those days in women's basketball, but all the other sports, really good. Really good. So as far as I'm concerned, whatever Dr. Danny wants to do, go ahead and patch me up, doctor. Do whatever you want to do. That's how I feel. I don't know how you feel, Bob. No, I agree. I think that, uh, again, when I we said inevitable about – Neil and I, yeah, that's, I'm saying ultimately, I don't know sure. if it'll happen quickly. Baseball was a no brainer to me. I felt that would be happening sooner than later. It sounds like it could be this season. So we'll see, but now, nah, man, it's, uh, just gotta think about where we're, we've said this before. Think about where we are now versus where we were, you know, at least in some sports four or five years ago and then in other sports prior to that. But I do have an eye on the women's basketball piece of it too, because we'll see what kind of what kind of commitment there is from the administration towards that, because it can't be considered, you know, respectfully, it can't be considered good right now. If you're Danny White, are you itching to to have a little bit of a coaching search, or are you like, hey, we're fighting the NCAA right now, and like, let's let's relish in the good and while everything else is good we'll kind of just not rock the boats and, and have a public firing and have a public search and and kind of i don't want to say put pressure because as long as football is good then no Correct. one's going to care if he misses the college you know the women's college basketball coach hire i don't think there'll be any pressure in that regard but there will be some noise surrounding it and it is noteworthy when tennessee you know was open in terms of looking for a coach. So I do wonder if they can kind of do enough to save her job and kind of keep her here, or, or if he is itching to kind of make everything tight. Because we are kind of in a boom when it comes to women's basketball, right? 
Who's this girl from USC, Sam? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, I'm like, Caitlin Clark's old news. We got this girl dropping 60 points. She dropped like 53 or something. I, I think don't know. she dropped 51 of her team's 63 points. That's on, crazy. Yeah. On the weekend, Did you see this, Bob? There's uh, no. apparently a monster, uh, a Michael Jordan, Caitlin Clark. Juju came. Watkins. I yeah. Caitlin Clark came. She did her pistol Pete. She did her like, hey, I'm I'm going to come out here and score a bunch of points and run around and do things. And now I think Michael Jordan has shown up. What did you say her name was? Juju Sam? Watkins. Juju Watkins. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I saw that she dropped 51 points this weekend. Yeah. And hit like seven of her ten threes or something crazy like that. And a couple of the top recruits are actually like pretty solid for him. Like South Carolina's got a girl that's nasty. She looks like De'Aaron Fox playing out there. Yeah, honestly, like looking at this girl's stats, like yeah, like four, uh, 29 points, 51, 19, 29, 20, 26, 32. She's got a couple 30 point games early in the season too. So yeah, like maybe the the female Michael Jordan is now here and. This girl's a freshman, by the way. It's crazy. She played at uh, – she she was a classmate, it looks like. She came from Sierra Canyon, so uh, Bronny James. Really? Yeah. We got a little love and basketball action going on here between her and Bronny because just like in love and basketball, the woman was the better player in that one too. I had, I did not see what she did this week. I'd seen that – I think it was last week they beat UCLA in a big game, and I know she showed up in a big way there. But, uh, no, I'm not that familiar with her other than – Clearly, she can play. Seems kind of crazy that I don't, I don't know exactly what's our breakdown. We play Thursday, Sunday, typically. Is that our breakdown for women's? Yeah, that sounds right. Because they got them playing like Friday, Sunday, just like game a day off in between these games. That seems kind of crazy. Well, they do the um, what they. Of course, this is all going to go away at the end of the season. They do the like USC and UCLA will play the Arizona schools. Do you see what I'm saying? They'll, 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 they'll play both of them, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this one they got Cal, Stanford, both on the road. Right. They, the weekend or, before it was home games against Wazoo and Washington. Yeah. The weekend before Colorado and Utah. So, yeah, they try to do both road games and kind of hit them while they're there. Yep, exactly. Cut down on travel expenses and things like that. That, that makes sense. And that'll work out perfectly in the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, what are they going to do? Just yeah. keep them on the East Coast for like two weeks? <laughs> you got Rutgers and uh, yeah. I don't know, we'll find you another team to play. But Juju Watkins aside, which by the way, I mean 51 points, it is worth mentioning. 51 points, 11 rebounds. But I was going to say, it does feel like I do feel a little left out during the women's college basketball boom. Like It does seem like a a fun sport to be cover, you know, to be watching and being a fan of. If you have one of these players, if you have one of these teams, and a uh, school that should have one of those players, just quite frankly, doesn't. I do feel a little left out. Was what I was going to say. So, like, I, I would prefer to just be good at that too, Danny. If you're listening, like the tradition and the deep pockets, you think we you, we should be able to get someone bigger, right? Well, it's just funny because like for a while, it felt like that was the only thing we were good at. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of ironic. The only thing you were good at for a while that, that made your – I mean, almost to the point where the people made fun of you as a women's basketball school, now everything else is good, and that's the one sport that's not necessarily carrying its weight. Yeah, I we'll see if uh, Lady Vols can do something come tournament time, but, I mean, it may, may not even be a given there, right? I mean, they're what the record's like, 12-7, and 12-8, something like that. I guess I hadn't considered that they wouldn't be a tournament team. Maybe, maybe you're right. They're fourteen and seven. They're seven and two in the SEC overall. So like they're still, they're still doing good in conference. I just think that like they just never win outside of conference anymore. 
like when they go and actually play like teams. Lost to Notre Dame, lost to Ohio State, lost to MTSU. Like, I mean, lost to Florida State. Lost to Indiana. Like, the only the only out-of-conference game that you won was against Oklahoma. But, like, in conference, yeah, still 7-2. and two. I didn't mean to talk about so much women's basketball. Drink White Claw Hard Seltzer responsibly. You, you are right, though. I'm watching this video right now of all these uh, National Player of the Year candidates in women's basketball, which I wasn't admittedly following enough, but... Cameron Brink, I knew of Paige Bukers, but then obviously Kate and Caitlin Clark, Juju Watkins. I mean, there's some – I'm watching this Cameron Brink highlight reel. She can play at Stanford. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, she's a 17 and 12 girl and, like, you know, a, a pretty blonde and, like, you're just, you know, plays. That plays, I think. But then you just got ballers. You got Caitlin Clark, of course, who is – she scored, what, 39 points, I think, over the weekend? And her quest for 100 points, I told you, three games. She's getting it done in probably halftime of the second game, honestly, because, yes, yeah, she's now only like 60 points away from the all-time NCAA scoring record. And and like you said, Brink and, and Bukers, I saw that she was on the bottom line, but she had gotten outscored by her, her teammate over the weekend at UConn. So, like, there's a lot of elite talent, very skilled. Like, men's college basketball, you don't really have a lot of stars, College basketball yeah. on the women's side is the opposite. You have those stars. You have, you know, the the female version of Steph Curry, in in in, yeah, Caitlin Clark. Sounds redundant by now, but did you see some of the shots she hit this weekend. I didn't the, actually at, at Maryland. They were like from the, it's Gary Williams court, so it's not half court logo, but it's you know it's like thirty five feet. Wasn't sure. there one off of like an inbounds play that yeah. they just threw it in like yeah. right off the side of the inbounds and she just took like one dribble and it was like yeah. five feet and past an NBA three point. And she's being relatively defended. These, you know, it's not like she's just wide open. Um, it's incredible, man. Well, she's Steph Curry at yeah. Davidson because, you know, she has better teammates than that. But I mean, yeah, like Steph Curry was kind of the only player there and he still found a way to go and, and get his buckets and, you know, almost take his team to the to the final four. Yeah, she's amazing. So, like, I mean, on the men's side, I don't know how many stars you actually have. I mean, the the national player of the year is going to be the big circus freak, and I don't think anybody likes watching him play. And I mean, like, I'm, that's not a shot at at you, Boilermaker Bob. I'm, I'm not I'm not taking a shot at your Purdue Boilermakers. I'm just saying, outside of the novelty of like, wow, look at this freak. This guy that should be in the circus and traveling around with the carnies. Outside of that, it's like, man, he's just going to camp in the lane. He's going to dunk the ball. Yeah, it's, it's, it is predictable for sure, I must say. Um, although somebody yesterday, of course, it went a little too far, said uh, they put up a picture saying if, if Zach Eady was a foot shorter, he'd be this guy, and it was Stephen Pearl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's a little much. Um, that's right. Steven, Steven was a lot smarter on the court than Edie is whenever I see him play. Um, Pearl was like a coach, you know, coach out there on the court. Um, you know, well, we talked, you know, Purdue does have, they got another one waiting, another 7-3 kid, and they just got a commitment for next year from a 7-2 kid from Brewster Academy. Somebody on social media put this up last night, like the bio of this kid, and they just wrote, Matt Painter, please stop. They you know? can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Jesse yeah. Pinkman. Yeah. Drink White Claw hard seltzer responsibly. Try some of the vodka. I can't personally vouch for the non-alcoholic version, but hey, you know, maybe it's just good flavored seltzer water. Try it too. 
Support the people who support us. White Claw, Hard Seltzer, Sam Sinister Break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. It is Super Bowl week. What's your level of excitement for this game, Bob, so far? Scale of 1 to 100. Scale of 1 to 100. i got to be honest. I would say maybe 80. It's a great matchup. I just think each year the the hype level just exceeds the previous year, and it's getting so crazy at this point. And then factor in this season, too, you've got the – the whole Taylor Swift angle as well, and you know you hear so much about it already. It's um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to a good game. It's obviously two really good teams, one that's seeming to peak at the right time, um, and then one that everybody expected to be there for sure in San Francisco. Um, so I, I, I do expect a good game. I think it's going to be a good game in that regard. But for some reason, I don't know, maybe it's just a little bit of fatigue with all the uh, surrounding hype around Kansas City right now. 80 still feels kind of high, though. 80 feels like you're still pretty locked in. That's pretty good for a Tuesday. What about you, Sam? Where are you at right now? I think um, I'm a little lower than Bob. I would say I'm probably a, a 70 or so, and I would maybe say that like 15 to 20 of those points are – only because of the fact that it's the final football game of the year. Okay. It's just that that week I told you I, I completely check out in the off week, and it's been hard for me to kind of get back in the swing of things. The The biggest story so far being turf hasn't done much for me. The practice turf hasn't done much for me, although sure. the, the kickoff, the media day stuff last night, I saw our boy Jordan Dejani there. Yeah. Kind of uh, wearing a suit and drawing attention to himself, trying to put himself over. Okay, I, I saw him out there doing that. And they got the juices flowing a little bit. What's the biggest storyline heading into the game? Is it just Patrick Mahomes' quest for excellence and quest for Tom Brady? Is it Andy Reid, his chasing Pelichek? Is it... Kyle Shanahan, hopefully, eventually, or ho- hopefully, finally, you know, breaking his quote unquote curse, or, or at least, you know, kind of solidifying his resume. Brock Purdy, Mister Relevant, like him, kind of completing. I don't want to say the biggest underdog story ever because Kurt Warner went from you know, sacking groceries, to winning a Super Bowl MVP, but like Purdy, not far off in terms of Mister Irrelevant to doing that. What's the biggest storyline, Bob? For me, I uh, I think I like the Purdy one, to be honest with you. Uh, there's the whole notion of the greatness being built by Mahomes and Andy Reid. I get that. Um, but I would say, for me, it's the story behind Purdy, who even in this season alone has been, you know, early – and MVP contender to then looked a little washed for a, for a matter of weeks, and now the last few weeks again looked like a, f- a frontline quarterback. So, if they could win with him at quarterback, I think that'll be interesting for sure. He's either gonna you know complete the story and come out here and do something special, or he's gonna kind of be the reason they lose and get the blame from everybody. Could like be. I don't think there's any kind of in between for Brock Purdy. 865-546-8200. Let's hit the phone lines. Let's grab Matt. What's up, Matthew? 
Hey, John. Hey, guys. How we doing? Happy uh, Tuesday. How we feeling? Good morning. Good, doing man. well so far. Hope you're well. I'm headed to the airport, so I'll make it quick, guys. Um, you know, I think, and I want to go transition basketball, so forgive me, guys, but um, from a national perspective, I know we're all Tennessee fans, but I listen to the Field of 68 podcast frequently with Rob uh, Jeff Goodman and Rob uh, Gouster, and the one thing they had to say on the game from Saturday night, it felt like, for me at least, it was more of a Kentucky loss than a Tennessee win. They they nationally look at us as a team that likes to bully you, which is fair. We do have a very good defense. But I found it interesting, you know, Rob Dowster said basically if, if Tennessee is going to win, they have to have a better offense. And when you look at our offense, it's 15th in Ken Palm efficiency ranking. And so my question really is this, you know, Bob, like, Outside of a Final Four, is there anything this Tennessee team or Coach Barnes can really accomplish that's kind of changed the national media perspective? Because it just feels like this team doesn't get the respect it deserves. And the reason I, I mentioned that again is as he continued into his podcast, he said, and I quote, you know, you're supposed to keep the irrelevant players irrelevant. And he referenced Josiah Jordan-James, which is fair. I get that. But he also mentioned Zakai Ziegler. And anybody that's watched college basketball all season has seen that Zakai Ziegler is one of the a top ten point guard in the country. Is that a fair assessment? I would, yeah, I would agree with that. And and Doster is somebody I want to try to get on the show because I think he's got some interesting insights. At the same time, he's also a UConn honk. Uh, he he went there and he. Um, he, he heaps praise on UConn. He's been a little skeptical about Tennessee. So as much as I like Field of 68, I, the, I would take that with a grain of salt. I, I think, Matthew, that it's it, – it's it, and I'm struck by we have seen some national media. You've heard it mentioned more this season than any other time before. And, and sometimes I wonder if it's been influenced by – these guys checking out, you know, they, they follow the teams, but they also check out social media and they probably see some of the, uh, you know, the, the fervor that's raised about Tennessee not doing much in March. And it is what it is. But at the same time, uh, I believe the only way you change that is you go and deliver in March. That's there's there's no other way th- past this, in my opinion. And um, I don't know when we watch that game against Kentucky. Feels like we've got a team that can definitely be capable of that. And the players, the last thing I'll say is the players. Um, I, th- I think it's a little unfair. Josiah had been irrelevant in some games. I would I would agree with that. But he's not an irrelevant player. We've talked about that many times before. He proved it in spades on uh, on Saturday night. And Zakai for sure is not. Absolutely. I think, and I actually teased this on Saturday last week, but Bob, do you look at Olivier and Josiah as similar players? Because I made that comparison where his offense, I mean, it showed there, you know, he hit 26 points, but it feels like it wouldn't surprise me if he has six points on Tuesday night versus LSU, but I'm almost curious to hear your thoughts. Like, when it comes to this team, like, to make that March postseason run, is it through a guy like Josiah to kind of hit two or three threes a game, or do you still continue to have a balanced offense between D.K., Santiago Pescovi, and even Joseph Dew and Sakai Ziegler? Listen, I, I, it's a great question, and, and I like John's take on this, too, because we have talked about this. We believe, we talked about this yesterday, you know, Josiah getting 26 on Saturday night was wonderful. It is, uh, 
that's that is that feels like a ceiling and it's probably not a consistent ceiling if we could get you know 10 to 12 from Josiah and yeah if you get him contributing like that Santiago contributing like that Dalton seems pretty pretty consistent Zakai can be consistent Jonas double double it was not sexy the other night but a double double matters um, John, what do you think on this? I mean, I think that if you get all those pieces combined like that, you don't need Zaka- or you don't need Josiah getting twenty five points a game. No, not at all. And you know, to the first points, you know, Matthew said that the field of sixty eight said Tennessee needed better offense. Yeah. If you had said that after the South Carolina game, I think everyone would agree, right? Like that's that's the vibes completely swung after South Carolina. I think we all looked around and said, man, the offense is. 29th in offensive efficiency, and I don't think that's good enough to win it all or to make a deep run. But, of course, you go out, you absolutely dominate Kentucky, and that goes up to 15th. The offense, of course, looked good enough that night. So, at its best, the offense is every bit good enough to win and win a lot in March. But still kind of rears its head and slows down from time to time with some untimely droughts or, you know, a full game drought, really, against South Carolina. But in terms of the team production, yeah, I mean, like, you have seven SEC caliber high-rotation high guys with Ganey, Meshack, and then your five starters. Any one of those guys could score you ten points a night. You have two that have shown they can – you've had three that show they can go out and get you 25 in a game. And Josiah, you know, Florida with 20 – I think he had 23 against North Carolina State and then 26 against Kentucky. He's shown that he can give you, you know, mid-20s. Connect showing you he can flirt with 40. Sakai showed you he can get you 25. So, like, having three guys that have the potential to get hot and do that, I think, is very rare in college basketball. And that's not even counting Adu in his 20-point game or, you know, counting Vescovy, you know, hitting five threes and getting to 20 as well. Anything well, else, I'll Matthew? No, I'll wrap it up. I apologize, boys. I talked way too long. Just wanted to say the last thing. Sam, you better get John up to speed for next year because – Bob and I's Colts are coming for that AFC South division. We got a lot of bets to take. Well, we're Have not a great fat. day, boys. The Titans are not my fat. man. Yeah, wow, you get two. The, the Titans and Colts arguing right now is 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 a pretty sad. That's like Vanderbilt, Missouri talking college basketball, <laughs> yelling at each other. That's how I feel. It's like South Carolina versus. Missouri, maybe two years ago in football. Who cares? I don't, is, it's the annual South Carolina-Kentucky football game in the SEC. I don't remember South Carolina or Kentucky winning a na- national title in football. Like, yeah, yeah. the Colts have a okay. Super Bowl yeah. title. <laughs> maybe, maybe, just yeah. maybe. Yeah, We'll be cool. back, John. We'll be back. Many years ago, Bob, and the years are getting further away. <laughs> you can keep holding on to that if you want, I guess. You, you're, you're close to sounding like a Cowboys fan, though. <laughs> you're close to sounding like a Cowboys fan. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thanks for checking me then. We don't want that. (laughs) And what I tell people that give me crap about that is that I I have to – I I get credit for winning a Super Bowl, too, because I was a Cowboys fan when I was six, too. So my team won a Super Bowl, too. Bad news, Bob. Trey said he has to reschedule, so no Trey Wallace at nine. Ah, okay. So he popped a tire, so. (laughs) Thoughts and prayers to him for popping a tire. Hopefully he wasn't texting him while he was trying to recover. Hopefully not, but no Trey Wallace at nine. So you need to uh, go and produce us some content and get us ready for how we're going to cover that segment we thought we had booked. Figure come, it out. Come back with some Super Bowl recipe ideas. All right, Super Bowl recipe ideas. 
Stick with us. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Bob, you say you actually do have trivia now? Yes. Oh, well, now I'm nervous because I don't actually know stuff. I was, just, uh, I was yeah. bluffing. I think for guys like us, this will be pretty simple. For guys like us, why, why do you have to do that? Yeah, you don't have to preface that. Bob. Yeah, like now he, you're gonna make me feel terrible if I miss a single question. Yeah. that's exactly why I did it. <laughs> See, a, I've been in that seat before. I get it. It's easy to to be the one asking the questions and make people feel dumb whenever they don't get it right. I, I understand how that works. Nah, I'm not gonna. There's nothing to feel dumb about. These are uh, you already literally just said that we should get it. Yeah, it's gonna be easy. So yes, if we don't get it, I'm gonna feel dumb. Well. Don't take it personally. Okay. It won't it won't be that bad. Fair enough. Alright. We'll start with the easiest one. Okay. Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. It's time to start getting in the mood. Let's hear it. Focus. What teams have won the most Super Bowls? We need some music too, Sam. Some like, you know, like what music who, would you even go who to? Who wants to be a millionaire type music? <laughs> That's what I was going to say, but I didn't know if Sam would even know what who wants to be a millionaire is. Is that still culturally relevant to yeah, the kids these days? I know what it is, but I don't. Because yeah. I still remember you know, how big of a deal it was as a kid to watch those. And every night, whenever they'd run it, sometimes they'd run it every night during the week, You know, whenever Regis was really, a sweep weeks maybe, or whenever it was time. Like, that was such a great show. Dun, dun. Uh, mo- so is it a tie? It is a tie. It is a tie. I would have already missed that. Who's won the most Super Bowls, you said? Who has won the most Super Bowls? What teams have won the most Super Bowls? Well, it's the Patriots. That's one. We're off to a bad start. The second one, okay, so I know the Steelers wanted one for the thumb. That's what they were saying, but it was that back in 06 whenever they did it, and they ended up, they didn't win another one after that. No, they did. They beat the Cardinals. The Steelers have six? They do. Yeah. Had a friend from Pennsylvania, and his mom used to always say, "One for the thumb." That is what back in say. the mid two thousands, they wanted one for the thumb, but then they won another one. So, a lesser man like Sam might have said the Forty ers or somebody like that, but not but me. Those were both Ben Roethlisberger wins, yep. right? Yeah, they cheated the one in the Cardinal. They cheated the Seahawks game. That Seahawks game was crooked. You'll never be able to convince me the officiating was wasn't crooked in that game. All time bad officiating in the. The Seahawks Steelers Super Bowl, and I would never forgive that if I was a Steeler, uh, a Seahawks fan. Roethlisberger was like we we've talked a lot right now basketball season about South Carolina. He was kind of like the South Carolina basketball of NFL quarterbacks to me. That of, of this year, South Carolina. Okay, yeah, South yeah. Carolina's a program. Okay, Correct. you know I think you would be surprised if you went back and looked at his stats and saw a couple of those four thousand yard passing seasons. There was some years where they kind of lit it up, and when he had the you know Antonio Brown and. Martavis Bryant and those guys. Like yeah. there was a couple years where he was really slinging it, but ultimately for most of his career, I would agree. It's kind of rough. He uh, he was like he was like the South Carolina basketball program, but only if they got to play Kentucky. <laughs> so they're still kind of grit and grindy, but they score a lot of points. Yeah. What teams haven't appeared in a single Super Bowl? What teams haven't appeared in a Super Bowl? How many are there? There are four. There are four teams in the well, NFL. Well, two are easy. The Texans and the Jaguars. Correct? Those are correct. The Sam, where's our music, man? I couldn't find anything. Just anything. <laughs> yeah, even if it's um, Toby Keith and Memoriam stuff. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't want to get sad and hear Toby. I'm going to say the Browns have also not made a Super Bowl. 
Is that correct? That's correct. And the Lions have also not made us. No, actually, the Lions maybe. No, you just just yeah, stop Lions, yourself. Yeah. Don't overthink it. Yeah, you got it right. You're two and zero oh, right so now. So good at this. Two for two. Look at this big brain over here, Sam. And imagine that my skull is off, and you're kind of like Hannibal Lecter, and you just see all these wrinkles on this brain from how much knowledge I've acquired. Because, you know, the more wrinkles you have, the more your brain, the more knowledge, the smarter it is. And it's just so wrinkled. Like, like I'd been sitting in a shower, a bath for like three hours. Actually, I had a dream about that last night. That somebody I was talking to had been in a bath for like six hours and their skin was completely pruny. That's what my brain looked like when it comes to NFL knowledge. At least through two questions. <laughs> That's good. Okay, so sticking with winning, appearing participation in general what team has participated in the most super bowl games? tom brady no what team <laughs> whoever tom brady's on uh, oh does he have the most appearances by a player do you have that stat because i'd imagine he does right i don't have it in front of me yeah but I would the think most that's team true. that's appeared the team that's appeared the most okay let's see here <sighs> so the patriots have won six i'm not that's not my answer i'm just working through it okay i got you one six lost four. Is that right? Brady lost four with the Patriots. They lost one to the Packers. That's ten. It's a pretty high number. Does anybody have more than ten? The Cowboys would have played not in ten. 49ers. Have they played in more than ten? Yeah, go back to the old school. The Packers, they played in they played in what three recently? Four recently. Patriots feel like the obvious answer. They can't be right. Can they? Can the Patriots be correct? The Broncos have played in a lot, but not 10. Five seconds. Give me... I don't feel good about this one. I'll just go with the Patriots, but that doesn't, that doesn't feel right. You're three for three. The wow. Patriots, because you were right, six and four in the Brady era... And then they, six and three in the Brady era. Six and, and the, three, the one they lost to the Packers in the mid '90s as well. That and then '86, they lost to the Bears. The Bears, yeah. Okay. So, okay. I was nervous about that one, Sam. <laughs> I was nervous about that one. All right, this was going to be one we're going to pull John and Sam in. How much does the Lombardi Trophy weigh? Okay, well, I, Sam, you're going to answer this one because I'm not putting my undefeated record <laughs> on the line here. No, no chance. Um, it doesn't look too heavy when those guys are hoisting it up there. I'm going to guess 17 pounds. That's a good guess. I was going to guess 20 to 18 is what, I, is what I was thinking. You'd both be wrong. This is a surprise. It doesn't – you said it doesn't look that heavy because it's not. It's seven pounds. Mm. Okay. So – which is smart. You think about it. If they're going to lift it up and stuff, you don't want it to be like it's, you know, something super heavy. Am I picturing the Super Bowl trophy or am I picturing the MVP trophy? I don't know. What does, the, what does the Super Bowl trophy look like? It's just the one. With, it's, it's like the silver the, one with the ball, yeah, it's right? It's just the ball. Okay. Does that MVP get a trophy? That's in the one the I'm super, picturing. No, I'm picturing that one. But I was picturing like Brady holding it up all the time, so I didn't know if that was the actual trophy. But it's bejeweled, you know. It's got it's got some heavy stuff in it. Just for the record, that doesn't count on my record. Um, doesn't count. Which Super Bowl halftime show? What year? Okay, now we're talking. This is where I can start putting the years together. Let's go. Proceeded a stadium blackout. Okay, that was Beyonce, and that was the Ravens versus the 49ers, and that would have been 2014. 
So it'd be Super Bowl 48. They're saying here, I'm, I'm gonna, we will waive it. It won't count towards your record because it, it's too. It says it. Well, it's in 2013. Well, the 13th season, but the 14th yeah, Super that's Bowl. Yeah, that's Is that not how that broke down? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It, it was Ravens 49ers, here. and I'm pretty sure that was 2014. Yeah. Actually, actually, I think I'm wrong. I think it is 13. Yeah, it didn't specify. It is 13. I it, was would, the, it was the Ravens 49ers, but I'm pretty sure it is 13. Okay, here's another one. Another yeah, because 14, 14 was. 14 was Denver, Seattle. So 13 was Ravens, 49ers. Yeah, I was wrong on that. Um, but I had the matchup right. And the artist. And it was in New Orleans. So I'll take 75% credit. What two cities have hosted the most Super Bowl games? Well, pretty soon it's going to be Vegas. I think they'll come back to Vegas like once every three years now moving forward because it just seems like the perfect place to have it. I'm going to miss this one. Is Los Angeles one of them? No. I was thinking maybe they had a lot in the 80s for some reason. Miami, one of them? Miami is one of them. Glendale? I mean, Sorry, what was it? The city that's hosted the most. like Two cities. Would, would have... Phoenix have a lot back in, the, back in the day? I mean, I know they've gotten them recently, but. Two cities have hosted the most Super Bowl games. Who are they? Miami's one. So there's another. And Los Angeles is not the And other I answer. felt the other one was pretty obvious. Okay. If that helps. I would kind of think Arizona too, maybe. That's what I was thinking, but I don't know. I don't have a better guess than Glendale slash Phoenix. New Orleans. Yeah. Mm, that's easy. Because if you think about it. I in, just mentioned New Orleans too. Weather, all that stuff, it's indoors. So... Although one of the first super, one of the earliest Super Bowls was at Tulane Stadium, which was outdoors. Really? Yeah, way back before the NFL was the mega monster it is now. Well, just for the record, Arizona has the weather too that yeah. New Orleans has, and it's indoors. I assume, right? I mean, like the Cardinals have been indoors as long as I can remember. I don't yeah, know. it's just there. also like the oldest team, the oldest franchise. So I mean, it wasn't a terrible well, not, not in Arizona though. Sure, the Cardinals. Yeah. Where were they at originally? St. St. Louis, Louis, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, this one seems super easy, but I'll go ahead and ask it. Who won the Super Bowl the year of the infamous wardrobe malfunction? That's not easy. Oh, come on. That's not easy. That was 2000. I mean, I think it was 2000. Yeah, that was a bit of a Patriots year. That's the Patriots. Yeah. But like the year it was in, I, I couldn't remember if it was 03 or 04, but they won both those years. So, Well, they won both those Super Bowls, but I guess 04, 05 was the actual yeah. Some cool years. Okay, here's one. This is a good one. There are only, there are five teams that have won Super Bowls, but only have won one Super Bowl. So five teams have only won one Super Bowl. Yes. Ooh, okay, that's a good one. Okay, that's a good one. You guys need to crowdsource this uh, one between you. Um, only one Super Bowl. Yeah, it's going to take some time to go through. Because the Rams have won two. The Bucks have won two. Are the Saints on there? The Saints sound like a good answer. Good job by you. That's one. That's one. Would the... Um, Colts winning in 06. That wasn't their only one, was it? I don't think so. The 
right? If the Eagles win multiple, the Eagles will win. Eagles might be one. Eagles are one. Yeah. Sorry. Eagles are one. Eagles are yeah. one of them. So okay. now you have two. And there's how many? Five? Five. So you got three more to get. One I will be shocked if you get, to be perfectly honest with you. So that that that's going to be very, very tough. Sam, I, I don't know if I feel great about this one, but I'm going to go for it. So if I miss it, I'm sorry. Okay. And you can live on. You can carry on. Washington. No. I like that guess. That's fine. Damn. Washington had a moment where they were. Well, I knew pretty, they were in the Super Bowl. I thought they dominant. Yeah, I thought they only won the one though in the early eighties. I thought they. Yeah, I think they won two, okay. maybe, and then yeah, and then the Raiders beat their ass. Yeah. Ah, uh, blew it, Sam. <laughs> Come on, you're all right. You get, let's. You it's know. on Sam now. He can do it. I missed. I'm out. Um. Let me go. I'm going through divisions here. Well, we can't. Let me go. Uh, the uh, the Seahawks. Yes, Sam. Sam. That's that's three now. We're down to two. You can do it, Sam. Come on. And I'll I'll give you a little ones AFC, ones NFC. Ones well, AFC yeah. and ones NFC. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't have got it. <laughs> I feel like these probably aren't super recent, which is not. Oh, good there's for one me. that just came to my mind. That's right. not right. Actually, never mind. This music's good, by the way. Okay. Where'd you get it? it, it this is our old, this is Charlie and I's old opening drive segment. <laughs> Washington's actually won three Super Bowls. Good guess, idiot. Idiot. <sighs> Come on, Sam. We, we gotta. Yeah, we need, we need an answer, Sam. Um, You gotta give me one in the next 10 seconds. The. Vikings, I don't know. They've definitely won more than the Jets. The Jets. Jets, are they on there? Jets are on there. Yeah. That's the one I didn't think you guys would get. Honestly. Yeah, Namath, Super Bowl three. Yeah. The, N- the last one. The NFC team. I don't have a clue who that would be. Can I get? Uh, is it a long time ago? Um. Yeah, kind of. Hey, you weren't around. Let's put it yeah. that way. Yeah. <laughs> NFC. NFC. What kind of weather? That's all. I'll, that's all I'll ask. What kind of weather does this city have? Oh, uh, depends on time of year, but it's it's cold. Depends on the time. Of They're year. not counting St. Louis, are they? No. Yeah, I was gonna say because the Rams. I don't have a guess. Just tell us the answer. Just tell us. Let's Chicago tell us. Bears. Wow. I wouldn't have gotten that. Only one. I guess that makes sense. We had just talked yeah. about the '86 Super Bowl too. And meanwhile, um, I liked that one. And meanwhile, there's a, a thinker. I'm disappointed. I'm you, yeah, and I'll just mention this. This is a bit of trivia. I'm not going to ask the question. What team has played in four Super Bowls but never held a lead? They've never won a Super Bowl, obviously, because they've never held a lead. It's the Vikings. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, It's worse than the Bills. Yeah, it is. At least is. it wasn't four straight years, I guess. All right, that was a nice little Trey Wallace had a flat tire and couldn't come to a segment with us, <laughs> so we had to fill 20 minutes. But good job by you, Bob. Yeah, I'm mad good. at myself for missing the Beyonce question. I knew with the Super Bowl is a year off, though. Yeah, you were you were pretty much yeah, on it. Yeah, um, the good news is we have more of these if we get canceled by any other guests. That's good. Hopefully nobody else cancels on us. Stick with us. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Back on the program. As we get you through your Tuesday. Trade deadline in the NBA just a couple days away. A couple interesting things there. Uh, a big name 
just keeps kind of surfacing for an otherwise quiet trade deadline. Bob, the name that keeps coming up and the argument that keeps happening is the Los Angeles Lakers and the future of LeBron James. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I never thought that this would intensify like it has, but it's it's actually become a thing. Well, it's a thing because the the future is running out for the Lakers and LeBron yeah. James. Or or I guess I should say the time is running out and the future is quickly approaching and no one lasts forever. And also there's the weird contract situation where he has a player option at the end of the year. He came out and said he's unsure of whether or not he's going to take it and pick it up and make his $50 million next year if he's going to test free agency. It seems like... We have kind of collectively agreed to quit pretending like Bronny James is a one and done college basketball player. Like no one's no one's even going through the pro- the process yeah. of ranking him or mocking him even in the second round anymore because he's not a NBA player yet, despite what LeBron tried to say a month ago about how he could play for the team, the Lakers now, which was a you know, a double handed it was a back compliment to the or it was a it was a Insult to his teammates and him trying to gas up his son. It was a double-fisted punch, maybe. I don't know how else to explain it. But I think we kind of quit with the whole Bronny James is going to the NBA thing after a year. Yeah, I think so. I was going to say that, too. I just feel like that's the that's not an option. And, you know, if you're LeBron getting to his age, um, if I were him, it'd be obviously charming to be able to play with your son. But if you want your legacy to be more titles... It doesn't look like it's going to happen in L.A. No, I mean, the Lakers are riding a little bit of a win streak. They have kind of, I don't want to say rotted the ship because that's not true. And last night, one of the wins they had was against the was against the Charlotte Hornets, right? So, like, that's not really doing much for you. But they've played a little bit better. Maybe strangely enough, they one of their best game they played was when LeBron sat against Boston. And like it was like the rest of the teammates were happy he was gone and that cloud wasn't over them. They ended the New York Knicks win streak on Saturday, so they are playing a little bit better. But, like you said, they are not championship-level good. They're not even like secure first round in the playoffs good. It's going to be another tall task to win, win even a series in the playoffs. So... In a trade deadline where the biggest star being linked to being moved is maybe DeJounte Murray, another clutch client, LeBron James, maybe should be the biggest that moves. Because I do think he is still good enough to swing the title race. Did you see his dunk last night on Nick Richards by chance? It was blown up on social media. I mean, for a 39-year-old man to do what he did, um, it's, it's incredible. It really is. He's still playing at a really high level. Yeah. You know, you can't say he's in his prime. You can't say the best level he's ever played at because that's stupid. You can't even say he's a top five player really anymore in the league, or at least top four. Those are kind of set in terms of the guys who bring it every night and can do it both sides. You know, either do it both sides of the court or, you know, just really, really at a different level offensively when you look at someone like Luka. But, like, LeBron's still a top ten player. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Bob, when you talk about the ring chasing mode. And if he is going to try to win another championship, is it more valuable to do it in LA and try to do it in LA? Or is it more valuable to try to do it on a team that, 
you know, is better equipped to do it, but also would be, you know, your fourth franchise that you brought a championship to. There was a little bit of chatter a couple of weeks ago about how he could fit at Philadelphia, but that obviously has changed dramatically now with what's going on with Embiid because it sounds like he's going to miss, at a minimum, the bulk of the regular season that's remaining. However, if you get a LeBron James, a pair of Tyrese Maxey, you could keep afloat and hope that yeah. Embiid could come in. I don't know if that's a championship-level team even with LeBron, though. You would think it would be, but like if it's just Embiid, ver- Embiid and LeBron, is that drastically different than... LeBron and Anthony Davis. I mean, I know Embiid is more reliable offensively, but also more willing or more more postseason failures and and coming up small in the postseason versus Davis. Who? Yeah, it's it. You're right, it, and it's players three, four, and five. Are they that much different than the Lakers? Maxie's having a great season, obviously. Tobias is consistent for the most part, but um, yeah, that's probably not that great of a you know. It's not like a slam dunk. Well, plus, you're probably up. having to trade. Yeah, at least Tobias in that scenario to, to get LeBron. So that team makes sense. I would like to see them there. I just don't know if if you're LeBron, if you're like this definitely gets me over the hump, or this you know going all the way to Philadelphia if it's worth it. I do think that there are a couple of franchises that are very that are both very interesting, and both would be big resume moves. Like, I think the the big name out there, the big team out there that has the assets that could tickle the market and that would, you know, go maybe further than winning a championship anywhere else would be the Knicks. And I think if you're the Knicks and you're equipped with all the draft picks they have, I think you at least are calling the Lakers and you're calling LeBron's agent just saying, hey, is there any interest in coming? Because right now the Knicks are maybe the second best team in the East. I don't know who in the East is better than them outside of Boston. Like when you look at Embiid's injury and you look at the mess that the Bucks are defensively and going through their transition to Doc Rivers, the Cavs are playing well. They're right there neck and neck, which would also be an interesting legacy play to go back to Cleveland again. Yeah. But like the Knicks, like I think winning a title in New York has to be worth a lot. They haven't done it in, you know, 50 years. They haven't won one since the seven, you know, since I think 70. You know, the one I thought of that it's not realistic, but boy, would it create total chaos, disdain, whatever you want to call it, was somehow if LeBron ended up with the Clippers. Yeah, I don't think the Clippers want to mess with what they got going on right now. Like, I mean, maybe if you could be like, hey, James Harden for LeBron, like maybe they would make that make sense. But no, the Clippers are rolling so well, and that's clearly Kawhi's team. By the way, Sam, bookmark this. Kawhi at 60 to 1 to win MVP seems like really inflated odds right now. When you look at the stretch he's been on in their yeah. last 30 games, I saw Woj tweet kind of the numbers out there. And, and just in his last 30 games with the Clippers, the Clippers are 25 and 5. Kawhi's averaging 26 points on 57% from the field, 51% from three. Mm. He's the first player to average 25 points on 55, 50, 90 shooting over any 30-game span of all time. So when you're telling me that I can maybe get him at 60-1 to and the Clippers have the best odds in the league, maybe worth a sprinkle. Maybe worth a sprinkle. But, no, the Clippers isn't the California team I have in mind, Bob. (laughs) So what – so, okay. So you're talking Golden State? I think Golden State's the most intriguing. Klay Thompson got benched last night. He's kind of crying about that and saying it's tough. I think, you know, his dad played with the Lakers. 
They have Jonathan Kaminga. They have a couple draft picks. You send that out for LeBron, and then you just have a really fun old head team. Or even if it's just an Andrew Wiggins, and you're trying to piece together some salary. but like Or Chris Paul and picks, whatever you have to do. But like watching Draymond, Steph, and LeBron does seem like it would be kind of fun at the end of their career there. That'd be interesting. And the great irony is the <laughs> – all of a sudden, it doesn't sound like Draymond. You know, for a while, I thought Draymond was going to be on his way out there, but I, it's it, the the odds are more towards Clay Thompson than than Draymond right now. Yeah, both Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins are both like in trouble there in in in, in Golden State. Like Clay's bench, Clay's not really effective anymore. He's due big money this offseason. He's saying he still wants the big money. The Warriors have to know, like, hey, we're not we're not giving you big money. So like, you could maybe send him to L.A. Like I said, attached Kamingo is a good young player for for the next two years of LeBron. Maybe it's Chris Paul, but yeah, Draymond's locked in. Draymond Steph's guy, and if you are the Warriors, you might have to be looking at swinging big because you don't want to waste the last years of Steph's prime either. You owe it to Steph to try to go out and win some games. I would think Kamingo's getting near untouchable for a trade, right? I think he's he's playing well, playing at a high level. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying if you're trying to entice the Lakers for LeBron. Yeah, Lakers might require something like that. Sure. Right? Sure. Jordan Moore's riding in here with a uh, a little trade that he made on a trade calculator to send LeBron to the Heat. Back to the Heat. I mean, there's something there, too. So, like, LeBron's exes, I mean, you could always get back together. You're looking at Cleveland, and hey, like, me and Donovan Mitchell, that's looking pretty good. Darius Garland, it's no coincidence that the Cavs – Kind of got better whenever they just kind of, you know, when Garland was hurt and the whole Mitchell-Garland problem was solved and you got some bigs and you got a talented wing player, Darius Garland and, like, Max Struess and some picks, get him to Cleveland, or what's Jordan think for Miami? So this would probably go around Hero or? Yeah, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Caleb Martin. They're not giving up much if they did that. I mean, there would be some picks in that too. Yeah, I mean, although you know, hero can't defend to save his life, but he can. He's he's a bucket getter for sure. Well, I don't know how much you have to actually give up to get LeBron. If LeBron tells them like, "Hey, I'm going to decline my option next year," he's a he's a he's a free agent if he wants to be. So, like, I mean, if you're able to get Tyler Hero back, that's a that's a big piece for the future, or at least a piece for the future. Now, I don't know how good Hero actually is or, you know, how valuable you view paying him, you know, $30 million a year to basically be, I don't want to say a twin to Austin Reeves, but those two playing together doesn't seem like it would make sense. But I think Reeves is better. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, probably. Like all around. Yeah, you know? yeah, probably. But, like, you know, Hero's at least a piece, and, and Caleb Martin can play. And, you know, yeah, going back down to Miami, and so that would leave them with Bam and Jimmy and well, yeah. and LeBron. And Jaime Jaquez. Jaime Jaquez <laughs> and Terry Rozier. I mean, I don't know if that team's good enough to to win the East either, but, you know, the Heat have won the East with less. So maybe it's good enough to win the East, but not good enough to win the title. It'd be interesting. Like, I do think the the league would benefit from these trade rumors for LeBron really ramping up over the next couple of days because I do think he fits with basically every team because he is a basketball genius, but also, like, he he has ties either in the past or legacy-wise. I mean, him and Steph have been linked together forever. Although if you're LeBron, maybe you don't want to be tied to Steph winning another championship and also doing it on his team because that's kind of a trump card, right? 
if Steph says, yeah, I got Durant and LeBron to come to me, that's a pretty big trump card legacy-wise. I actually like, the more I think about it, I actually like the Miami one. I think it's interesting. Uh, you, to your point, I don't know if it's enough to win the East, but um, I like the Knicks one, man. I like the Knicks one. Well, if you're if you're LeBron and you're thinking about legacy, to say you won in L.A. and in New York, right? It's pretty impressive. You brought a title to the Mecca. Yeah, I, that one's interesting to me. You know, I know they got like the Evan Fournier expiring contract, and I'm sure they could piece together a couple, but that that would be a big swing. And, you know, he, he dropped that on Saturday. I don't know if you saw. He said he's always dreamed of playing in New York. He's like, still thinks about playing in New York. I don't know if that was him. Like, hey, I want to stay relevant. Write these stories about me. Get me in the news. Or if it's like, hey, I'm going to be a free agent this offseason. Or, hey, come trade for me. God, he manipulates the media well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But, like, he, he came out and was like, hey, yeah, I'm not going to request a trade. But then followed that up today or yesterday was saying, we're undecided on our future with the player option. You know, maybe to him that's holding Los Angeles' feet to the fire to go and get him a, a, another player, to go and try to get somebody there and trade somebody there and, like, get D'Angelo Russell out of there and trade a couple picks to go find somebody. But I just don't know who they can find right now that makes them a contender. Like, DeJounte Murray's not ultimately moving the needle for that team. No. You could have said maybe Zach Levine would have been a perfect, like, number three for them because he's a scorer and kind of gives – Takes the burden off LeBron there and helps Anthony Davis, but of course he's out for the season. Bringing DeMar DeRozan back to L.A. doesn't get them over the hump either. So, like, I don't know what move they really have to go and get a lot better. But if you're him and you're 39 and you're still playing at his level, like, you don't want to waste one of your last good chances for a championship. Maybe they'll bring Alex Caruso back. Never should have let him go. Yeah. Never should have let him go. And, like, he's Alex Caruso is the perfect role player for LeBron, which is even crazier that they let him go. But I don't know if offensively he's getting them over the hump either. Like, no. I don't know if he, is, nah. if he is, you know, going to do anything special for them. But I don't think it'll happen. But I really hope for the sake of the trade deadline, those rumors really ramp up over the next couple of days because they don't play again until Thursday night. So they're going to be riding their little win streak. And the future of LeBron's kind of up in the air, and he's playing chicken with the franchise. But they don't play again but until the trade deadline is over. <sighs> Heat it up, huh? Send him back to Miami. I don't know if him and the Pat. I don't know if him and Pat Riley ever squashed the beef. Did they? Because that that breakup was bad, and then Pat Riley, for as cool as he was recruiting LeBron, kind of went scorched earth after LeBron left. Yeah. And talked about running from the grind. Kind of that was the message Pat Riley had. Was they didn't want guys that ran from the grind. So I don't know how that sat with Pat Riley when LeBron brought him to Vegas and made him pitch him on keeping him in Miami when he knew he was leaving and kind of just kind of, I don't want to say embarrassed Pat Riley, but basically godfathered Pat Riley. Made Pat Riley squirm and chase him. So I don't know if that relationship has been repaired enough. That's heat culture for you. LeBron and Jimmy would be a pretty cool duo. Yeah. I've had enough of the LeBron James. Anthony Davis duo. I want to see him play with somebody else. Anthony Davis is pretty maddening. I mean, he obviously super talented, but I just how can you how can you bank on him? You can't. He was pretty good in the play in championship or the in season championship against your Pacers. He was pretty dominant in that one. He sure was, but but then you don't know what you see the next week. You Outside know? of a neutral site, he you can't really rely on him. Yeah. You know, he was great in the bubble too and Yeah. And, and was great in the in Vegas for the in in, in season championship, but yeah, no. 
wasn't a uh, isn't reliable. Anybody has to keep repeating "I'm that guy" or "I'm him." You know, he's had to do that like three or four times over his career. That tells you there's questions. Who are you trying to convince? Yeah, exactly. If you're that guy, you don't have to tell people you're that guy. <laughs> exactly. Because when you walk in the room, they're like, "Oh, that's that guy." When when Austin Reeves does it, I get it, right? He's trying to hype himself up a little bit. Yeah, that I got, but and I don't need to see Anthony Davis doing it regularly. Especially like Anthony Davis is one thing if Austin Reeves, who was an afterthought and kind of I don't even know if he's a second round pick or undrafted, but like his spot in the league is, you know, new and he's fighting for it. He's trying to announce himself. You're the number one pick, bro. You're yeah. the number one pick. You're supposed to be a superstar. You don't have to run around saying you're that guy. I think Reeves was undrafted. Yeah, I was going to say either late second round or undrafted, but yeah. All right, there's your NBA kind of touch base on that. Again, bookmark this point. Kawhi Leonard, 60-1. to Intriguing. Definitely intriguing. Intriguing. I think I'm going to sprinkle that and ride it for the rest of the year. Stick with us. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio.